Shelter, oh God. 
every heart is moving in every heart is moving in every life. Reach out to him right now. He just wants to be your way maker today. Miracle work, promise keep, 
Good morning, everyone. I'm glad you've joined us here on this Sunday morning. I pray that all of you are doing well. You've had a good week up until this point. Pray the blessings of the Lord have been upon all of us. And I know I say that generically, but I, I believe the blessings of the Lord are upon us. The favor of God's upon us at this time. Uh, it has been previous, and it will continue to be on us again. We're living in a very, very special time in the Lord. I believe the Lord is very near to each and every one of us, and I'm so thankful for that. I really am. I'm thankful for the, the prayer reports, praise reports, reports in general of just what God is doing uh, for all of us and our church family here in Indian Village. I look forward to the day that we can all be together again. It was a nice treat to be able to see many of you uh, last week in that drive through That was an enjoyable time and moment. And I thank you for all of you that were able to come. I know many were not able to come. And uh, that's quite all right. I, we just wanted to open it up for those that uh, maybe you just had a little time on your hand. And uh, you wanted to come by. And I'm glad for all those that did. I also want to say thank you for all of those and uh, you all that have been faithful in tithing and offering. Uh, I have not read the prayer uh, of recent, and I want to do that here this morning. I want to read the prayer that we pray many times over uh, our offering as when we were together, we would give. And uh, after the giving had been done and people had brought their offering forward, uh, we prayed this prayer of blessing over that offering. And I want to do that right now for all of those that have given in their tithing and offering. I want the word of God to continue uh, to stay as a covering over us. 
Uh, again, I said it in the beginning, I say it again. We are a blessed people, and I thank the Lord for that. Pray it with me. Upon the word of God, we have given and it shall be given unto us, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. We are a tither and we bring our tithe today into your storehouse. Therefore, the enemy is rebuked. The curse is broken. We live under an open heaven. You pour out upon us such a blessing that there is not room enough to receive it. We receive jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, sales and commissions, benefits and settlements, estates and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and return, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, bills paid off, debts demolished, debts demolished, royalties received, our whole family saved and walking with God. I pray perfect health and abundance that we would walk in divine favor and blessing. We are blessed coming in. We are blessed going out and all that we do shall prosper in Jesus' name we pray. I believe that prayer. That is not something we just pray uh, methodically or habitually. But I believe that God will honor the prayer that as that prayer comes out of a very sincere heart that all of us have. That God will continue to bless us and cover us because his word is true. And he has proven that time and time again. I want to read today from... Acts chapter 9, we'll read two passages of scripture. One is in Acts, the other will be in John. We'll turn there here in a moment. But let's start with Acts chapter 9 and verse 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. Suddenly there shined around about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembled and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Rise, go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Skip down to verse 9. He was there, or he was three days without sight, neither did eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. He took, and to him said the Lord in a vision. And Ananias, he said, Behold, I'm here, Lord. And the Lord said, Arise, go into the street which is called Straight, inquire in the house of Judas, or once called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayed and has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming into him, putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. And Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many this man how much evil he hath done to the saints of Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on his name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel. For I will shew him how great things he must suffer. For my name's sake. Verse 18. And immediately there fell from his eyes that it had been scales. And he received his sight forthwith arose and was baptized. One more scripture in John. Uh, I wanted to read it instead of just uh, quoting it. John chapter 14. 
and verse 12. Verily, verily, Jesus speaking, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. I want us to pray right now and ask God to help us today in His Word. Jesus, I thank You today for Your Word. I pray that it would have a resounding effect on the hearts of all of us. That God, in the most difficult and displacing times we feel, God, I'm asking You to let it be as though we were together, right here in this moment together, and that You were sitting amongst us, in the middle of us, and You're speaking to us so clearly. God, I ask you today, speak through the words that you've already wrote or has been written about you. But speak it now to the heart of all of us in this place. I pray today in Jesus' name we pray. God bless you. Thank you for praying with me. Uh, this particular text in Acts is a very, uh, very special text, I find. Because it is speaking of Paul's moment of, I guess you could say my title today, I'm going to give it to you here in a moment, but his special moment of encounter. And uh, it, before up until this point, there had not been a moment that had transformed Paul. He had not had the encounter that maybe many of the other disciples had experienced of walking with Jesus and talking with him. But now came Paul's chance. The title today or the target or I felt just in my spirit the word that I feel just, just swirling in my guts. Been there for many, many days now. I was anxious to get to the, the house of God and deliver this today because I feel it's going to help somebody. I feel it's going to strengthen them. But this is what I want you to see. Your change is in the encounter. Your change is in the encounter. Paul starts out, and it starts in verse 1. It says, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord. This text starts out with Paul fulfilling his mission, his job that he felt that he was doing a favor, or he was fulfilling at that point of his life uh, a job or a mandate. I don't know if... Uh, maybe Paul thought he was doing a favor to, I, I, I know there are scriptures that may allude to Paul's understanding of, of how he was a, a Pharisee of all Pharisees and studying at the feet of Gamaliel. So there was a, a deep-seated root of Judaism and, and the old Hebrew ways, it was in Paul. So I, I wonder if maybe there was something in Paul that he, he thought he was doing a favor now and holding fast to something in, in this persecution of these disciples of Christ. I, I, I pondered just that one scripture there of Paul and him persecuting these disciples. You see, many times you do things that when you don't have a revelation or a true encounter with God, you can think you're doing right. When really you're not doing right at all. Here's Paul that knew the God of the Hebrews. He knew 
who God was of the Old Testament. And he spoke of it. I, I spoke of this on our Wednesday night lesson in Corinthians, I think it was, or maybe Philippians. My memory fades me, but it was Philippians, if I'm not mistaken, where Paul uh, begins talking about how he was zealous of all. He was uh, had no confidence in the flesh. I think it's Philippians 3. And he begins to count all things as lost. But he gives his reason for zealousness and his studiousness in studying the law or the Torah or the first five books of the Bible. Paul knew it inside and out. He knew the God of Israel. He knew who Abraham was. Not uh, literally, this is after his time. This is New Testament now. But he had heard the stories, no doubt, of Abraham's calling and Isaac's calling and Jacob's wrestling with an angel. He, he had heard about all of these things. So it had sunk deep into Paul's heart, deep into his mind, and where he thought he was maybe fighting for a righteous cause, Things had changed. Things had been altered. It does not mean that the word that he had studied or the words that he knew back then were for naught. It does not mean that everything he had known in his past about the Word of God and Jehovah of the Old Testament. It does not mean that he just throws all that away. Paul just did not have an encounter to understand the change. There was a change that needed to happen in Paul. And though he knew the word of God and he thought he had it down pat, he knew the, the books of the Bible as I have said so well. And he attested of his studying at the feet of Gamaliel, some of the most astute teachers of that day. He still had not had an encounter that converted the, the written and the literal word into a word now in his heart by revelation. It was just stories. It was just words that he had read. I, I'm not uh, cutting down his maybe current relationship that he had. No doubt he obviously was zealous for the things of God and the purpose of God. But now you find a man that knew the word of God inside and out. But was working against God's purpose and didn't even know it. You've got a man that understood the word of God and, and no doubt knew Hebrew. I don't even know Hebrew. <laughs> I don't even know Greek. I wish I, I wish I could and understand it and learn it. But he knew what there was to know. In our day, we would call him a, a theologian of great stature. And, and again, I'm not demoralizing or uh, de de uh, minimizing the uh, astuteness of Paul. But I do propose a challenge to you here today or maybe a thought. If someone is looking for a change and maybe you know the Word of God well. Maybe you've read it over and over. Maybe you've been taught from a son, from a young child. But maybe there's not been an encounter with God that would forever change you that you would never be the same again. See, I'm hungry for that. I'm not just preaching to you or for you or trying to reach you. I'm preaching to myself because I'm hungry for an encounter with God that it doesn't matter how much word I get and how much word I read. I want to know Him beyond just what I read. It can't be just a book that's got 
more. I'm preaching to hungry people today. It says I've come to church and I've never changed. I've been to church and I've never changed. Or I've come to church and I've been hurt. Let me help you right now. You know what can change your past experience from a bitter experience to a blessed experience? One encounter. One encounter with the King of glory could change everything in your life. It could change everything. Your change. Maybe I should have titled it your answer is in your encounter with Him. Paul had been to the synagogues. Paul had been to places where no doubt the presence of God was. When you understand the very nature of God, God fills all time and space. He's in eternity. He's in time. He's in time. He's in eternity. All at the same time. Ooh, that's a tongue twister. He's everywhere. So Paul had a knowledge of God, but yet he didn't have an experience that could change him. We have knowledge of God, but yet we have not had experience or we have not had encounter. I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around everything I, I'm wanting to share with you today. John says this, and I read it to you, Jesus speaking in John chapter 14. He says this, Jesus speaking to his disciples, and greater works shall ye do. If you go read John chapter 5, Jesus speaking about him saying, I will do greater works, I think is how it's. It's termed. John chapter 5, verse 20. For the Lot Father loveth the Son and sheweth him all things that himself doeth, and he will shew him greater works than these. He. I take that to read as Jesus speaking and saying, I'm going to do greater works. And then you go read in John 14. And Jesus speaking, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me the works that I do, he shall do also, and greater works than these shall he do. Here's my takeaway. Jesus was basically saying that there is coming great... We, we have used that scripture, greater works, for uh, the receiving of the Holy Ghost. Jesus, per se, had maybe... How, how could I articulate this properly? Uh, we've used that scripture, greater works, referring to the day of Pentecost, something that came after Jesus, a greater work, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost on many people. And I thank God for that, and I'm not contradicting that. I do believe that's one of the greater works that Jesus was referring to, the Holy Ghost living in us. That right now, back then they didn't have that. The Holy Ghost was not living in them. Other than Jesus, the Spirit of God was in him. But as for his disciples, Holy Ghost was not in them like it was on the day of Pentecost. So I do believe that greater works he was referring to was down the road. That the day of Pentecost was one of those greater works. But here's what I want to propose here today. We limit just to that. What if greater works is greater encounters? This is 
what God's telling me. You, you can do what you want, but this is what I feel. He's telling me if God can give Paul that is raging vehement persecutions against the church and killing the disciples that walked with Jesus or coming against those that had actually been in proximity of Jesus and God can change that man, then how much more can God give me an encounter? I'm not even doing what Paul did. I'm living proverbially pretty good. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not doing all what I used to do. I'm trying to live godly, kind, and love the fruits of the Spirit. Long-suffering, joy, meekness, temperance, faith, gentleness. I'm trying to exhibit the name. But Paul, uh, he was a rough feller. He was pretty tough. And yet God looked at the man and said, he's got knowledge. He's doing the wrong thing with the knowledge. But I tell you what, if I show up to him and give him an encounter, I can change that man. I'm telling somebody the greater works that we're going to see in the end time is encounters with God we've never seen before. Prayer meetings we've never seen before. Visitations by the glory of God that's going to shake us in this end time like never before. Greater works is what we are going to do and see. That's my dream. That's why I believe when God spoke this to my heart, He's trying to challenge you and I that in the midst of all this that's taking place out here, there's greater works that He's going to do in your home. And when we come back together, greater works. This is what else it speaks to me. If I read the understanding right of John 5 and John 14, it's a chronological generational promise. What he's saying is, I'm going to do greater things. And then in chapter 14, he says, you're going to do or ye shall do greater things. It's showing chronological generations is what, how I see that. So what it's telling me is I'm way down the chain. I'm 2,000 years removed from that promise. But yet as time begins to roll on and we get closer to the end of time, could it be that the scripture that says where sin doth abound, great grace or an abundance of grace will be there? The closer we get to the end time, the greater the works are going to be that you and I are going to do and see. This should encourage somebody. I'm preaching to the hungry. I'm preaching to people that want to have an encounter with God. Oh, I wish this one. I wish I could have a bullhorn and shout it from the rooftop. There's an encounter for somebody. There's an encounter with God. He's waiting to give you and it's where your change is. You can't change yourself. Joining a church does not change you. Signing a membership card does not change you. I wrote it down earlier today. We have built a relationship with a church. And not with the God of that church. I'm all for relationship. I'm all for building connection with people. I know that's the big thing now. 
And we need to be friendly and have greeters and ushers. And we want to be known as the friendliest people around. I believe that. That's the fruits of the Spirit. But I don't want them to marry us. I want them to marry Christ. Brother Tenney said it like this. God spoke to him many years ago. And he said it, and I'm paraphrasing it here, but this was the, the gist of it here. God speaking said, you stole my bride. You've gotten them to fall in love with you when it was supposed to be they fall in love with me. We've gotten people to fall in love with our personalities and our churches. And I thank God, please don't misread what I'm saying. I want people to feel comfortable in the house of God. I want them to feel loved in the house of God. I want it to be a hospital and a place of healing. But I don't want them to marry the building. I want them to marry God. Not literally, but figuratively, I'm speaking here. That a relationship, a proverbial marriage between the bride and the bridegroom. The church, we make up the church. Individuals make up the bride. I want my relationship to be pleasing unto Him. So I ask you here today, who is it needing a change? Who is it that's asking God? I'll be honest, I know this is all videoing and, and I know much of it goes out, so I'm trying to be so careful in, in what I say. I don't want to be misquoted, but probably I'm, it, it happens. I understand it, but hopefully you feel my heartbeat today. I wonder if we've not deviated and, and we've caused these. Uh, we've got a beautiful building here in Indian Village, so I can say it like this. We've got a beautiful facility. We're in the process of building an educational building, a beautiful building that's going up. I love and thank God for those things, but that's not God. God is you and I coming and having an encounter with Him and a moment with Him that everything begins to change in my life. I'm not saying by coming to a church you can't change. That's why I said please feel my heartbeat. I want him to come and people to be here because I believe getting in the house of God you're closer in proximity. The, the, the fellowship of people being together and the praises of God people. His word says where, I, where you praise me there I will be enthroned in that praise. So I believe as people praise his throne is established and his presence is there more readily. Yes I believe that. I'm not giving license not to come to the house. What I'm asking somebody or challenging somebody here is we've got to have an encounter if we're ever going to see a change in our families and in our homes. Change in things. It astounded when I began to see the generational role Jesus said in greater works. It gave me hope because I feel like I'm at the end of the chain. I'm 2,000 years removed from Jesus actually walking in the flesh. I'm down the road. But here's what he said. And greater works shall ye do. I don't want to put a limit on the work just being. Yes, it needs to be the Holy Ghost. But I believe there's greater things that God wants to do. And that one thing I'm focusing on today is an encounter with God. I've heard this story with Paul many times. 
And here's Paul who was destroying the people that Christ entrusted his word to. And Paul felt he was on the mission to accomplish God's will and to do his purpose. I caught myself this week being home like we are. I caught myself measuring my accomplishments. I caught myself looking at all what I had done these last few weeks. Well, I got this done around the house. I got that done around the house. I'm just to myself here, not, not anybody. I got this done. I got that done. You know, I got my, I got my mulch down in my, my bed, man. Woo. I'm accomplishing, you know. We got the things done, and then we're getting some of this done in the church. It's some business stuff taken care of. And, man, we're accomplishing. We're accomplishing. And I wrote this down. I've learned stuff. I've accomplished. I've achieved. I've been overall very productive. Been very productive in all that I. But here's what the Lord spoke to me. But have you had an encounter with me? You've accomplished a lot. And that's good for your mental stability. You, you're, you're working and that's great. I, I'm, you, you, you're good. Me and God just kind of having our little talk, okay? I don't know how you talk to him. It's how me and him talk. You did good today, Scott. Oh, oh Scotty boy, you, you're right in there now. You, you, you did good. I'm proud of you. You worked and that's good. That's good. God. But he closes it out with me with just a simple faint whisper. But did you have an encounter with me? You've been asking me to change some things in you and in this and that. And did you have an encounter? Because you see, the only way it's going to change is you've got to have an encounter with me. We basically look at our past experiences and we bring them today. We try to live off of my encounters of yesterday. When God's saying, I want to give you a new encounter today. Maybe that's what Paul did. Maybe Paul had a good time at the synagogue when he was just a, a six, seven-year-old, eight-year-old boy and, and, and Mama Paul and Daddy Paul are there and there he's falling asleep under the synagogue pews. I don't know. But maybe those experiences, he saw Mama Paul shouting or something. I, I don't know. But those were experiences, no doubt, that challenged him to want to even live for God. There was something there. But if Paul would have lived, what if, was Paul living on a past experience that caused him now to err? And where he thought he was right, now he's wrong. I heard some people say this. Sincerity is good to a point. To a point. Hitler was sincere in killing the Jews, but he was sincerely wrong. Sincerity does not, man, does not mandate an experience. Faith in God's word and hunger is what causes an experience. So I asked somebody here today, I need an experience with God. Then hunger for him, he'll give it to you. I want to see God like I've never seen him before. Hunger for him, he'll give it to you. I, I want to know and understand his word like I've never understood it before. Hunger for him, he'll give it to you. And the change you're looking 
for that you cannot find in the world or in Dr. Field or in something out here or out here. If you and I will seek Him, God is going to give us an encounter that will change me. Change me. Folks, that's what living for God is all about. I want Him to change me. Change me, God. Change me that I'm a better husband. Change me that I'm a better father. Change me that I'm a better man of God. Not a better preacher, a better man of God. Change me, God, that I'm a better son. Change me, God, that I'm a better saint. Change me, God, that I'm a better for your kingdom. Not to be better that I can measure it, but that I can be better for you. What did he say about Paul? What was Ananias' dialogue? I got a chosen vessel. I preached this last weekend. It's like the same theme again. God's trying to tell. There's some of us that are chosen. And our change to become what we need to be in the chosen vessel is in an encounter with God. What is it the enemy's fighting in you and I? Is he fighting you through fear? Is he fighting you through doubt? Is he fighting you through your past? Well, I was abused. I was molested. I was sexually abused. I was verbally abused. I was hurt in the church. I was lied upon. I was beaten upon. Whatever. The past. God's saying, I'm ready to give you an encounter. Because I need you. I want to use you. I don't want to build my... I want the experiences of yesterday and the encounters I've had of yesterday. I thank God for those. I'm not minimizing them. Just like I told you in the beginning of this message. I'm not minimizing Paul. He thought he was doing right. He's taking care of a problem for the cause of God. Not Christ because he didn't know him yet. But God. But God. Paul on his way. This is what I wrote down. I, I remember this one. I had, this one said, Paul, who had everything under control, is about to lose control. I want to shout. Just me and her, and I want to shout right here. Because I know what it's like. I got everything figured out. I got all my ducks in a row. I got this put in place. I got that put in place. I got all my cans lined up with sardines and beans and peas. And man, if Y2K comes back again, I'm ready. I got my bank account ready. I got this ready. I got that ready. I got everything put in organized. And I love being organized. That's me. I'm organized. I'll, I'll put the label. That's me. I'm OCD. I, I like it all organized. But you see, I can't let my organism, all of my, take away from an encounter that can change me. I need the change more than I need the controlling of everything. And where Paul control had everything together, he was a leader. Starved in what he did. He was taught. Saul, man, just, he, he was, that's how my perspective is of him. Studying at the feet of Gamaliel, come on. He had to pay good money to get in that educational system. I mean, my mind just kind of thinks on these kind of things. You know, how did he do that? I, Paul was a man that wasn't no dummy. 
He was educated and smart. But even the educated needed an encounter. I wish I could preach in the halls of Harvard. I wish I could have the chancellor of, of Yale. I'd tell him about this one thing. Let me tell you, sir, you may be intellectual and you may have a lot of the things for common medicine. I thank God for what you do and I respect what you do. But let me tell you, there's an encounter that you can have. It doesn't matter how much education you have. That encounter is from, it doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter how much money you got in the bank or how many degrees you got after your last name. There's an encounter that can change you that a degree can't change and an economy can't change and I'll go far as to say Corona can't change it we're all saying this Corona man is gonna I hope it changes me but I've learned more times than not the Corona drove me to praying and the encounter I got in prayer is what changed me there may be outside means that may influence and move me. Just like Paul's persecution was wrong. The outside means moved him. God said I got to step in. Who is it right now that's buried them facing, their face in the carpet saying. I don't know if I'm going to make it through this. I don't know if I'm going to survive. I don't know what I'm going to do. And Corona has drove you to prayer. It's drove you to hungry. It's drove you to read the word of God when you never read it before. I thank God for that. But here's the next piece of the puzzle. There's got to be an encounter. I can't just read it. I got a hunger for a change in encountering God like I've never seen him before. I remember moments I've had in the past Angels have shown up in my room. The presence of God has shown up in my room. Revelations to God's word has shown up in my room. Encounters that are so special that I can't even voice to you over the phone right now or over this, this thingamajig that we're doing right now. But it was an encounter that changed me for that day. And I thank God for that moment on that day. But I'm at a total different day now. I'm at a total different time now. And if the coming of the Lord is not in at hand, if there's ever a time I need an encounter, I need an encounter now to change me, to make me ready to meet God. Paul is on his way. I'm closing. Paul is on his way. And as he journeyed, he came near to Damascus. And as you and I have journeyed, thinking we're right, maybe I'm not preaching to nobody else, I'm preaching to myself. How many times I thought I was right and I was wrong? How many times we thought we fought for something and we were wrong. And I, was it worth it? Nothing matters. Your opinion, my opinion, all that matters is the book. That's what's going to judge you and I, his word. Did I get it right there? Not did I get it right. If I get it right here, I'll get it right there with people. As I journeyed, I found I was wrong, but thank God, He didn't leave me in my wrongness. 
A light shone from heaven. It was the sun. It was the glory of God that shone around Paul. And he fell to the earth. And he heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why persecuted me? Get this. He wasn't persecuting Jesus. He was persecuting the disciples. When you persecute your brother in the Lord and speak about people negatively, you're persecuting Jesus. When you gossip and get negative, death and life's in the power of the tongue. When you speak death on your preacher, you speak death on your brother and sister, you're persecuting. You're persecuting Jesus. You think you're hurting them, but you're hurting your person. Saul, why are you persecuting me? You're persecuting him. Here was the thing that just shook me. He fell, and when he failed, he got understanding. The voice spoke. The encounter began when Paul fell to the earth. You and I will never have an encounter with God as long as we're. I got it all figured out. Pride. I got it all. I know people like that. I, I got it. I got it. You know how I know that? That was me. Me. I remember Brother Ewan. Brother Ewan, I got it! I wouldn't even let him finish his sentence. Till finally one day he had to say, Bubba, let me finish my sentence. Okay. The day came where I had to fall to the earth. And when I fell, <laughs> the answer came. And Paul responds back, Who are you? He didn't even know who he was. How could you have studied the word of God and not known who was talking to you, Paul? How many times has God spoke to me? And because I thought I had an understanding of something, I missed what God was saying to me. But thank God Paul had enough in him to say, This is when you thank God for media. I miss y'all. The Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecuted. I am was the declaration of God. When Moses came to the burning bush, Moses said, Who do I tell? Who do I tell Pharaoh you are? Who do I say sent me? He said, I am that I am. Every time you read the Old Testament, I am was the declaration of God. It was the declaration of God as the creator, the father of it all. And Jesus now looks to Paul, who knew Paul knew the I am. You knew me in the book, Paul, but you never connected. The I am of the Old Testament is now the I am in the New Testament manifesting himself through the man, Jesus Christ. One God, just a different manifestation. Not a different God 
over here, a God the Father and a God the Son, but the God of creation, the I am now, is manifesting himself through the flesh. And he's trying to show Paul, Paul, you had the beginning right, but now I'm connecting the two. I am Paul, Jesus, pretend I'm him. I am Paul. I am in this. I am. What do you think Paul did? Hang on. Let me get everybody together. We're going to have a debate. No. Paul's response. Jesus didn't finish it. Wait, let me say what he said. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. He said, Paul, I've been trying to have an encounter with you for a long time, but you keep kicking. One translation says, you keep kicking against the gold. A gold was a long stick with an iron thing on the end. And he said, Paul, you're being a stubborn ox. And I keep poking you with a stick and a metal thing on the end. I keep prodding you and challenging you and trying to get you to understand. I want to have an encounter with you, Paul. You're a chosen vessel. I need you. He said, but every time I, you, you bow up. I never forget teaching a Bible study. I'm trying to close, folks. Teaching a Bible study. Many, and I'd get to the Holy Ghost, said, you need the Holy Ghost. You need to be baptized in Jesus' name. And we'd go over that lesson over and over and over. And before long, one of the two things would happen. They would embrace it or there. You can't deny what's in that book. You can't deny what's in the book. If he said, repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. If he said, I got to be baptized in Jesus' name for my sins to be washed away and remitted. I can't get around that. The only way my sins are ever going to be taken away is that I'm baptized in Jesus' name. That's the only way. Because you and I both know sin ain't getting into heaven. Sin ain't going to make it there. So to deal with my sin here, he gave us the institution of baptism. That I'm baptized in Jesus' name and come in covenant with him. He said, Paul, you're kicking against it. I keep pricking you. I keep pushing you. But you keep being stubborn, Paul. Now watch Paul. And he trembled in astonishment and said, Lord, what will you have me to do? The encounter brought the revealing of the mission. So here's Paul on his way to Damascus. He gets a revelation of who Jesus is. He has an encounter with God that changes him. He's blinded from this day forward. For three days he can't see. He has to go to Ananias' house. Ananias prays for him. And when the man prays for him, the scales are removed from his eyes and he can see. Prayer can remove the scales from the eyes. If you can't see the word of God and you're hungry, I, I want to understand it from an honest heart. All you got to do is pray. God, help me to see your word like I need to see it with an honest heart. To some saint, to some priest, whoever we are, to myself. If you're looking for a change in your life, you're looking for something to change. Let me tell you something. We're going to all come together. We're going to enjoy this beautiful building and the buildings and whatever it is that God gives us. I thank God for it. But true change will only come in an encounter with God. First of all, I get a revelation of who he is. Paul said, who are you? you got to get a revelation of who God is. And the second thing is, what do you want me to do? The signing of the mission. What do I do, God, to be 
Some of you may ask, what do I need to, need, need to do to be saved? That needs to be the question. To some, somebody else, maybe you've already received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Maybe you've already been baptized in Jesus' name. Maybe you're just asking God, I need my prayer life to change. I need my life to change. I got the Holy Ghost, but I'm still fighting habits and addictions that need to go. The encounter will bring about the change. What do you say? Let's let God pull the scales back from our eyes. Let's look at him like we've never seen him before and seek his face. John said it like this in the first few chapters. He said it about seeing when I see what the father does. When you and I can get a glimpse of him like we've never saw him before. When we see truly a Christ that has died, been buried, and he's resurrected. And we see him like he is. Changed from glory to glory. You and I will have an encounter. That our lives will forever be changed again. I believe that for you. I believe that for me. Pray with me. Jesus, I ask that your word today would penetrate the heart, the mind. I come against every spirit of false doctrine. Every spirit that would blind the eyes from people from seeing this truth and this wonderful blessed hope of living with the Holy Ghost in us. And receiving that beautiful spirit of God. Lord, I ask you today, remove the scales from the eyes and give us all an encounter with you that would change us today. I pray God be with you the rest of this week. God bless you in Jesus' name.